Okay. All right. Mitch and his dad, episode 22. Whoa. I am Mitch, and with getting me as always is my dad. Mind. Yeah. What's that? I just I say we're getting older as we get. Yeah. We're, we're aging one week at a time. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. There it is. Did you get my answer to your email? Yeah, yeah. I was actually I did. Okay. I probably so I hope you up. wrote it down because I don't remember it. All right, hold on. I'll grab it real quick, and uh, it should only take a second. Yeah, I, I was. No, you wanted to do some Apple thing, which I could explain to you pretty quickly. Yeah, I was. It was. It was a weird kind of stock thing that I didn't quite understand. But yeah, I got your email. You said. Uh, Glad to discuss and explain. Good suggestion. You know, don't 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 read. Oh, okay, my okay, all right, all right, all right. You don't want to give away all the. Okay, well, it was just kind of the last line was funny. That's all. So it's okay. Uh, yeah. So did you uh, did you have something to start off with? You want me to start off? Well, I'll do the Sopranos first. You want to do that first? I don't care. It don't really matter. We can start wherever you want to start with the Apple thing or. Uh yeah, Maybe I guess. Yeah, huh? let's let, yeah let's start with that. It's a little. Um, let me grab the article because I'm trying to remember because it was very confusing. I mean, like I get the kind of the basics when it comes to stock. I think most people do. Is that it's just sort of like you know bet on a company to do well. But this this sounded confusing because what was saying was just just the the byline I guess says ahead of Apple's earnings the numbers tell it all if shares don't soar after its quarterly report it will lightly trade at valuation levels not seen since the depths of the financial crisis making it the cheapest large cap tech stock and it says in here something about oh I'm trying to find the exact thing it was something about a price to earnings ratio it says that let me let me let me okay. get, let me just tell you what you got all right for one thing always remember this there's what's called playing the market. Okay. Picking a stock, all those kinds of terminology. That's a different thing than investing. Okay? Okay. Investing is a very professional way of handling money over your whole lifetime. It has nothing to do with the stock market, the Dow Jones going up and down. All that stuff, it doesn't really matter when you're doing what I actually call professional investing. So let's talk about Apple a minute. When they mention P.E. ratio, that's price to earnings ratio. How many times the earnings per share is the price? In other words, if it says 18, I think, in that article. Uh, 18, yeah. Okay, yeah, 18. if P.E. ratio is 18, that means the price, the per share earnings is the number they take in the price of someone with an 18 PE is 18 times that earnings per share number. Okay? If the earnings per share are 20 bucks and the PE ratio is 20, then the stock is going to be 400. It's 20 times whatever the earnings per share is. In this case, it's 18 times whatever their earnings share, whatever their earnings. In other words, I think I, Apple, I didn't look at it lately, but Apple's probably trading around 360, something like that, a share. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's about right. Yeah, it says... Uh, saying that I could be off by 50 bucks, but it, it's, you know, it's 350 somewhere around in there. Yeah, yeah. 
so the earnings, if you did it with just a little calculator or just with a pencil and paper and you, and you wrote down the earnings per share, which would be the PE, the price per share, which would be the, the uh, number, be like 18 in this case. Mm-hmm. You would then look up the earnings per share and you would multiply it by that 18 and that would be exactly what the price per share is on the stock market. Okay. Follow that? Kind of. I'm just not... Thing. It's, yeah, it's yeah, but what are the earnings per share? What's that equate to? The earnings per share would be earnings or profits, okay? Okay. Other, if you look at, you know, how much they made in sales, which is called revenue. Sure. And then how much it cost them to make that amount of money. The difference in those two is your profit, which we call earnings. Okay. That number... Per share, I don't have any idea what it actually is. I could figure it out real quick with a with a with a calculator. Well, it says but, it's expected twelve month or trailing twelve month earnings per share is expected to rise from the current level of seventeen ninety two to nearly twenty one dollars. That means in order for Apple seventeen ninety two is a seven point nine two. Uh, one seven point nine two. Yeah. Point seven nine. No, 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 no. Seventeen dollars and ninety two cents. All right, seventeen ninety-two. Yeah. Times eighteen mm-hmm. is three hundred and twenty-two dollars. Now that would be the price of the share of stock. It says in order for Apple to maintain its already depressed PE ratio, the stock would have to rise to three eighty-eight fifty by Thursday, and that would only keep the stock trading at an eighteen point five PE ratio, which happens to be at the lowest end of its historical two-year okay. range. So why just- is that bad news? Or is Let that me bad just news? explain all the gobbledygook of this. Yeah. <laughs> but one Please. thing is, there's a general rule of thumb that the price of a stock follows its profits or its earnings. In other words, if a stock, if if a company keeps making money and making money every quarter, they they get more profits. The profit is growing. Mm-hmm. It's a very good sign that their stock price is also going to grow. Because there's some investors that that's all they invest on is growth of earnings. Okay. It's because historically they have followed each other. Price follows earnings. If earnings fall, price falls. Now, that price falling up and down, again, is not what I would call professional investing, but it is something that everybody follows because, believe it or not, the marketplace wants you to buy and sell your stocks every day or every week or every 10 days. They don't want you to hold, which is really what you should be doing. Right. So they're going to constantly give you that Dow Jones is up and down. There's, you know, the, the earnings are up and down. So that you're, you know, oh, well, wait a minute, I better sell this before the earnings gets any further. So anyway, it, it's kind of a market, marketing market kind of thing. All right, so here's what they're saying. A bunch of stock analysts get together supposedly recognizable quality would be their work that hopefully well known enough that they're considered expert in the field and when a company announces its earnings whatever percentage that earnings went up by from the prior measurement it's usually done quarterly uh, that percentage should correlate to the price going up by that amount the stock price okay Okay, so what they're saying in that article is, although 
Apple's earnings have risen by X percent, whatever that percent is. Mm-hmm. It's possible that people are not going to invest any further in Apple based on that earnings because of other things going on with Apple. For instance, Steve Jobs' health, the fact that they're getting much more competition for the iPad and the different stuff they do. Because of that, the fact that their earnings are going up, a lot of people don't think it's going to make the price go up. So the the negative of it is is that they're making this higher percentage of profit, but if you jump in now and buy the stock, the next quarter they're probably not going to be able to maintain that percentage of increase in earnings. Therefore, the stock would go back down. Now, all of that is speculation. I mean, there's no guarantee of any of that. That's that's just somebody, some analyst putting out a report or a group of analysts putting out a report that's saying it's Apple's in an unusual situation with their stock because even though it's getting ready to report an increase in earnings, hey, that music. You heard music? You're cutting out there. Did you hear music just now? No, no, a truck drove by. I heard music, believe it or not. Strange. <laughs> yeah, I don't hear that. That's what it is. It, it is complicated, but if you think about it just from the standpoint that earnings equals price, increase earnings percentage equals price earnings. I mean, price of the stock. Okay. Well, I think looking at the article a little bit further down, there's just so much to read. But I think because I've heard this before about Apple is that like Apple themselves will say it. They they're in this thing where they're really big on stockpiling cash, probably paranoia left over from the late 80s, early 90s when they weren't doing so well or actually into pretty much the late 90s. Um where they just weren't, where they were kind of scooting by and was like, they're going to get bought by Microsoft, they're going to go bankrupt, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now they're doing better than they've ever done in all their history, and they're stockpiling cash. It says here that they have something like uh, $60 billion uh, just chilling. And uh, it says that, um, that basically they, they keep $64 cash per share that's been sold, and... Um, it's basically what was it was they're saying they're they're trading at five times the cash if you remove yeah. some of that cash from its market of capitalization they trade at only 14 times their earnings so i think that it sounds to me like it's it's a discussion about how apple is holding on to the cash but then apple also does situations like right now because of the tsunami in japan um there's so many parts that they need for that new iPad that's you know impossible to get a hold of because of the the tsunami over there. And there's a lot of uh, manufacturers and equipment uh, makers out here and otherwise, and in China and so on and so forth, that can't get the parts they need because of the tsunami. And Apple is paying. You know, they obviously rose the prices over there because of this demand, and they don't have the supply right now. So Apple met that that cash, you know, they, they met the price. The they'll they'll swallow that extra price that other companies yeah. probably couldn't afford to swallow because they have all this cash. And I think uh 
that's why they do it that way, it seems to me. And I think this article is just another one of the ones where people go, well, Apple's being, you know, weird and controlling again. But I, that's why I was trying to check with you. I, I felt like that's what it was and also see if I could figure out something about that stock market. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, I don't know that I'd ever get that involved. It's not something you learn overnight. But what you got to understand is that, for instance, my, I guess you'd call it system, my portfolio tracking uses 11 different criteria to make a stock attractive to buy. Okay. So it wouldn't be just the price earnings ratio or the cash to stock price ratio or any of the other many ratios they offer. And particularly now with the computers everybody has, they can get this information. We used to have to do this all by hand, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, you had to have a slide rule, actually. And... Um, it's so much simpler now to do it. I mean, I, I plug these criteria in, and every morning, any stock that fits those 11 criteria will pop up on my screen. Now, it doesn't mean that I would advise everybody to buy that stock that day, but it does mean that it's a stock that falls within the, the uh, area that I want to investigate it. I want to look further at that particular stock. Now, right now, in the present economic state, I don't get as many stocks popping in there as I normally would. Hmm. Now, Apple wouldn't pop in there because Apple has, well, it's not going to have my 11 criteria. Because it's a stock for me to look at it, it's got to have all 11. It can't have 10 or 8. Right, I see. 9 is much higher than anybody else's 9. Right. Got to have all eleven. Gotcha. And so I don't look at uh, the movement of the stock market or somebody's PE ratio jumped a bunch or their earnings jumped a bunch. I mean, I just don't pay any attention to that because if I give somebody a stock, I'm telling you that you should own that stock for as long as you live. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Now that's kind of the way that works. So they have to stick at eleven for quite some time. Is really kind of before you feel pretty confident. Do what now? So it would have to stick. All those eleven points would have to stick on a stock for quite some time before you'd feel confident in saying this is a good stock. Well, I I don't really. It's not really a time thing as as far as how long would it take? Because normally, if a stock pops up, I'm going to investigate it that day. I'm going to look because I want to buy it as quickly as I can if it's a good buy. Or right, I want to right. advise other people to buy it if that's the case, but the uh, the, uh, the 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 eleven criteria thing is just something that calls all the thousands and tens of thousands of stocks around the world, and it it brings them to me so that it becomes more manageable for me to look instead of looking at all these stocks to look just at these few that fall in the criteria. It doesn't mean I'm going to recommend a buy because there could be some things that are outside of those 11 criteria that I don't like. Right. Since I like to look to see who holds the stock. I mean, who else is buying this stock? What mutual fund or pension plan or, you know, how much do the, the guys that are the chief executives of the company, how much of their stock do they own? So this is uh, all this is all the polar opposite of that Kramer mad money guy. Oh, yeah. Because oh, I remember yeah. you watched that at Merritt's house once when I was there. 
And you oh, were like, yeah. this guy is just crazy and everything else. But I was like, well, why do you watch him then? And you just want to see well, him. Well, he's just, he's actually like watching a stand-up comedian. You know, he's very, <laughs> but as far as somebody actually following what he's doing in order to reach some financial heaven somewhere, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Right, right. The stock market is not a is just like anything else. It's not a it's not a quick way to get rich. Yeah. If you yeah. happen to win like a lottery by picking a stock that happens to go up, you know, that you put a hundred thousand dollars in a stock and it goes up twenty times that over two years, yes, that can happen. Right. But to identify that stock ahead of time is impossible. It's it's a guess, is all it is. Yeah, yeah. Well it's like I was looking at a uh a little infographic about a year ago. That said, uh, and obviously I know it's all hindsight's twenty twenty, but it was said throughout the last, I think it was like 12 years, it was like, had you spent money on Apple stock instead of a given Apple product, here's what you'd make today. And it was showing, like, had you, instead of buying the original iPod, which sold for, I want to say, three ninety nine or two ninety nine, instead of buying that, you'd have spent that money on Apple stock today you'd have you know a hundred and something thousand dollars or something you know things you like know that how many times they can tell that story I, I know I know but I just it's I, I it's it's an interesting thing to look at that kind of stuff when you go like yeah that's true I could have been you know I because it's like look I I would have spent in that day you know 300 bucks on you know lunch for the month or you know something like that there's any number of weird things I probably spent three four hundred bucks on yeah, but Please, you know. please know everybody listening to this that all of that <laughs> stuff is marketing. That's a way to get you to buy stock and get you interested in buying and selling stock because that's, believe it or not, the companies that are giving you these reports and making these statements, they only make money if you buy and sell stock. Naturally. That's the way they make money. They don't make it any other way. Right, right. So that's what they want you to do. CNBC would be off the air if a guy like me was their main commentator telling you not to buy and sell stock like they do. I'd be off the air because nobody would advertise on the show. It would be no. Everybody that's listening is wanting the secret to getting rich. Of course. Quickly. It's like so not many other rich, things. But quickly rich. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, same goes with lately, health and exercise and... Uh, yeah, there's a number of things that are they're all very much like, well, how to blank in X amount of days. Yeah. Yeah. We're very Yeah, quick. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, I, I, if I want to truly gamble, I'm just moving to Vegas and playing my sports <laughs> bet. That, that's to me. See, to me, I don't, that's even not even gambling to me. I think there's a way to win at that myself. I mean, I'm, so the, just the way I'm convinced of that about sport betting, there's guys that are convinced of that about buying stock. But believe me, sports betting is a lot less sophisticated than buying stock. Well, but I anyway, think, uh, you know, I mean, it shows this is a funny thing. This is a this is a statistic about P.E. ratios, price to earnings. Mm-hmm. How much more is the price than the earnings? That number. If you took uh, there's a there's a service that you can buy that puts out all kinds of very sophisticated, very accurate numbers. It's called value line. They've been around for a million years, and of course, for a million years, you had to subscribe. They would send you binders to put the stuff in that they were sending you, because every week they're sending you stuff. Well, 
with the internet, uh, you're going to use Value Line online. You're not going to go through all of these papers that they want to send you. But Value Line made a study one time that they have a chart that's called low PEs, which means it's a whole bunch of, it's probably 500 companies that have what would be considered a very low PE, a low PE ratio, mm. which means their price is not a whole lot more than their profits. Okay, which which means it's cheap. Well, the study they did was they picked the 20 lowest PEs. They didn't even care what the company was, what the price was, nothing. They just took the 20 lowest PEs off the list, and they made a bunch of money because low PEs over time, on the average, will be profitable. Because the PE goes up. Doesn't go up on all of them, but if you took enough of them, say 20, right. you're probably going to have over half of them go up over some period of time Yeah. in price. And therefore, when it goes up in price, the PE goes up. So, uh, Well, I mean, I, I think when I look at the stock market, I basically, over the years, you know, just looking here and there, when I thought, oh, you know, I could, I should buy, you know, whatever little stock or something like this. Had I purchased the stocks that, at the times I felt like it would be a good idea to buy them, uh, I would have done well on all of them by this point. I just never did. You know, Google, I thought, this is probably would be a good one. This is back in 2001 or 2002 or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, Apple would be another one. At the time, they weren't doing so hot. But I was like, well, I've been, I've been using Apple products all my life. So, in a sense, I've already invested in them anyway. If Apple would have gone bankrupt in, you know, 2000, uh, I would have been screwed because, <laughs> you know, I had everything tied up in their system. You know what I mean? Their computers and everything else and their software. Yeah. Relearning everything would just be, at this point, would be forget about it. Um, so in a sense, it's sort of like I'm already invested in that. If, if one, you know. one of the th thing I think, once I've found a stock that I might be interested in telling somebody about, one of the things I always present to them is think of it as you being an owner of that company, because that's what you are when you're a shareholder. You're a part owner. Yeah, yeah. And think of if you think about the company as, okay, this would be a company I would like to own. That's kind of the, the lingo that I use. Do you want to own this company? Mm-hmm. You know, some people, uh, they're going to hear about a company and a stock, and it's going to be a little uninteresting to them. And, and it's uninteresting because it's not something they would really want to own anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of a question you ask yourself. Okay, let's move on to another subject. Yeah, all right. No Unless problem, you got another no question about it. What's that? Unless you have further questions about it. I mean, I could talk no, about this no, all the no. time. I, I mean, I just no. I, I just like, uh, you know, it's something you know about. I don't know diddly squat about it. I've always been kind of fascinated by it, but at the same time, you know, confusing. Um, I feel like I did have one more. Is the ratio of how many times how many times is the price more than the earnings? In other words, by how much is the price per share more than the earnings per share? That number is what's called a P.E. ratio. So then to, to put the kibosh on it, I'm right in thinking that the other than the point of the article being, hey, sell and buy and work on the stock market, blah, blah, blah. But there, 
I'm right in thinking that when Apple holds on to all that cash like they do, that makes shareholders kind of paranoid because they want a lower PE. Is that uh, more or less? Uh, <laughs> you know, way. I'm going to say I'm going to say no because the people that invest on earnings growth, they want high PEs is what they want because they want the PE to keep going, earnings to keep going up, and therefore the price goes up. So they kind of want high PEs, you know, but. Mm. That's not the answer to investing. High PEs are not the answer, in my opinion. But, yeah, if they're holding a lot of cash, and by the way, I would say if you looked at the Standard & Poor's 500 largest companies, probably 70, 60 to 70% of them have a lot of cash on hand right now. It's one of the things that's keeping the economy from growing. Is nobody's, these companies are not spending money. They're not hiring more people and paying them more they're just not spending a lot. And it's because of the uncertainty that's going on in Washington that keeps these companies. I had a CEO from Rust-Oleum uh, company I talked to yesterday, in fact, and he was telling me that he's never experienced the uncertainty that he feels with his company now when he's making a decision, it's just hard to even make a decision, particularly anything that's longer range, say uh, three to five years away, it's impossible. I mean, because you don't know what the tax rate's going to be. You don't know what kind of regulations are going to change. You don't know. I mean, you just don't know anything. So mm. a lot of companies are doing nothing. They're just holding their cash. Now, I'm not certain that Apple is doing it for that reason, but I would tell you that's one of the reasons. Right. Well, they, they've classically, well, I wouldn't say that classically, but certainly in the last eight, nine years, that's been their, that's been their yeah. way. It's hanging here's, on to cash. Here's the other thing about high-tech companies, particularly the big ones. The reason, one of the other reasons they like to have cash is they like to buy up companies. And yeah. They're constantly looking for some little guy in his garage that comes up with some thing, and they're going to buy it. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, a billion dollars or something is not a lot of money to them. I mean, they, they, they don't mind spending it to buy something. Sure. So that's kind of the way that works anyway. But, uh, well, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's part of the big success of like their iPhone and iPad stuff is that because they have so much cash, they can get things at a lower price because they buy so much of it. Because they're like, look, we're going to sell 12 million of these things next month. We need the demand, you know, and so they can pay up front instead of doing like, a, oh, we'll pay half and then you give us all and, you know, like other companies might do. So they've bought entire equipment manufacturers. They actually make their own processors now, which is weird. So because they bought a processor company. So they're the well, only ones that have it. Cash. They're, 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 there's a number of reasons for them holding that much cash. One of those reasons is because of the uncertainty in the economy. Another one of those reasons is because they want to have it on hand in case they want to buy something. Yeah. And they're buying stuff all the time. They're buying little companies that don't even make the news. They just yeah somebody up for a couple mil, you know. Yeah, it's something you hear about 10 years after the fact. Back yeah. in, you know, so-and-so, yeah. I've seen that a bunch of times. It's a, lot, it's a lot less expensive for a high-tech company. Well, really, any big manufacturer. General Electric has been famous for doing this since before I was born, okay? General Electric is the oldest stock on the stock exchange. They've been on the stock exchange 
forever because they were the Edison light bulbs. Mm. But uh, they're a great company, and they have a habit of spending less on research and development, or R&D as they call it, and just finding little companies that are doing the kind of work that they would normally have to pay them, you know, expense themselves for, and then just buying the company. Yeah. Well, that's what a lot of companies have followed that strategy, and you have to be a successful company to do that because you have to be able to accumulate that cash, and Apple certainly is one of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think one thing that, for instance, I think why Google has made so gosh darn much money is while they do buy up companies, they're they're a little more apprehensive, and it's been you know a, kind of a sore spot for a lot of people where they're like, why didn't Google buy Facebook back in you know X time or whatever? Because what Google does is they do a thing called twenty percent time. You may have heard of this before, which is uh, one of the more genius ideas for businesses. And I don't know why more people don't adopt it, but the idea of twenty percent time is they want you to spend 20% of the time that you're working there, either in your day or your week or whatever, 20% of your working time screwing around on something you like doing. And from that, people come up with ideas. Screwing around, they're like, hey, you know, I'll bet I could leverage this technology and this code base and monkey around with this thing. And then when they feel pretty good about it, they present it to Google's, you know, upper people yeah and they'll kind of buy it from the employee this is how i gotta run a minute okay i'll uh I'll, I'll, i would right. explain it to you but i'll it's all good I'll, I'll talk to the people at home <clears throat> people at home uh if you would kindly it means a lot to us if you could go on the itunes uh, store where you find the podcast here even if you're not finding the podcast here because uh, you can even do it, you know, through through a web browser, and uh, rate the po- podcast highly, review it, and uh, that'll bring okay. us up in the ratings, and uh, it helps us out. All right, there we go. I was just, <laughs> uh, yeah. So All I right, was, move on. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say that's how Google got almost everything Google does came from twenty percent time. Well, that's good. So there you go. Uh, well, what I meant to say last time is uh, is that. 50 years ago, as of the last time we did the podcast, Yuri Gagarin was the first human that ever entered space, a Russian guy. I remember that vividly. I was going to ask if you remembered that. Uh, that's a, that was a scary thing at the time because it meant that the Russians were ahead of us mm. in space exploration and all that stuff. It was all these thoughts about, you know, if they're ahead of us in that, maybe they know more about dropping missiles on us than we think Hmm. at the time there was a lot of I mean the competition between the US and Russia was unbelievable and it was also what caused us to come up with what was called the civil defense department they started building bomb shelters I remember there was one built in Lakeview in the middle of a park and used to practice in school getting under your desk in case of a bomb dropping I've seen those so videos. That, uh, all of that took place around the same time with Yuri Gagarin. And, uh, I mean, he's a name that goes down in history with, you know, George Washington. I mean, yeah. Like me, that's been around that long. I mean, I will always remember that guy's name. I mean, I remember the, the, the whole thing that he did. I mean, it was, at the time, it was it was a spooky kind of thing. It wasn't like a, 
you didn't think of him as a hero as a United States in the United States we we were afraid that something was going to happen because the Russians had done something that we couldn't do and that's uh shortly before Kennedy said we were going to go to the moon in that decade and do the other things yeah mm, all right that's it yeah. great speech the great the great speech he had a good speech writer by the way yeah all right speaking of uh, we, we came close to a a government thing, so let me mention something here. All right. I get a great magazine. This is it here. It's called Bloomberg News. Okay. I was reading Bloomberg earlier. And I keep all my stuff on Bloomberg website, all my financial stuff. And uh, anyway, they have in here some... It's the section that they call policy and uh, politics and policy. And the article's actually about the Federal Reserve Bank and so forth. Mm-hmm. But it, it it throws in some of the expenses that we're doing that has to do with things like the Libya attack. They have dropped 192 Raytheon-made Tomahawk cruise missiles in Libya. Wow. 192. A Tomahawk cruise missile costs one and a half million dollars a piece. <laughs> you were bad. That's unbelievable. That's a, that's that stuff where you go like, come on, who's how is it? How could it possibly? You know, uh, that was the argument I used to get hey, into with yeah, dentists. I'm gonna blow your mind a little. Okay, first. go ahead, go ahead, please do. The Boeing F-15E fighter jet, which is the most popular fighter jet in the world. We sell them to all our friends. (laughs) The per hour cost of operating an F-15 jet. Oh, Jesus. $20,560 an hour. $20,000? an hour. Man, I'd like to be a pilot that gets paid that kind of money. Oh, <laughs> What do you make? Ah, 20 an hour. Oh, that's not bad. No, 20K. I'm sorry, 20K an hour. There's a picture of a plane dropping a single bomb out of it, mm-hmm. and the bomb is circled in the photo, and it says the B-2 bombers dropped 45 Boeing-made 2,000-pound Satellite guided JDAMs, J D A M S, each costing sixty-one thousand dollars. <laughs> that seems a little bit more reasonable. The one point five million seems astronomically insane. Yeah, well, but that's the famous tomahawk. That duck, that sucker searches out what it wants to hit. The yeah, tomahawk. They, it's the they kind shoot of... them through a bathroom window while you're sitting on a toilet. <laughs> But I guess what I'm saying is, like, look, like, uh, once you've got the technology in place, the cost of making the first one is all the price. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> After that, it's, uh, you know, it's it's pennies. I, I just, I have a hard time believing that the metal and the technology of a, of a given missile that goes into each one costs $1.5 million. Like, obviously, that's what they're paying. But you know what I'm yeah. saying? What, the cost cannot be any more than... A few thousand. 
You know what I'm saying? The actual true cost. Well, that means you need be. to buy stock in Raytheon. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. In fact, they do that right here in Fort Worth, by the way. That's the thing that now in the in the current currently in the Mediterranean Sea, mm. we have three submarines, two destroyers, and one battleship. And it costs okay? five billion. <laughs> Twenty-seven point nine million dollars a day. Jesus God. <laughs> Ridiculous. One, two, three, four, five ships. <laughs> Each one or total? That's total. 27.9 okay. <laughs> mil a day. Oh, my God. And what are they doing? They're not doing anything. They just, just kind just of float around. Just hanging out. Them. Hanging out just in case. You don't want to be caught off guard. They don't want to bomb anybody with that thing. Oh, my God. I thought that was an extraordinary article. I, I, I really enjoyed reading it. It, it. it just was so enlightening. This magazine has just so, page after page of stuff. And it, it doesn't necessarily bend one way or the other. I mean, it's, you know, you would think that it would be a little bit on the conservative side, but you, you wouldn't see, you know, a conservative magazine talking about how much money it costs for a Tomahawk mass missile. <laughs> right, right. Oh! Well, see, I, now, see, this brings up two questions I have. One's, one's a fact-based and one's an opinion-based. The okay. fact-based one, and maybe this is way too much to get into for a podcast, but it has always confused me for my whole life. <laughs> I love the way you do things. Yeah. There's all these things that have done you for your whole life. I this love has been that. a confusing. It's as con if you're 95 years old. All right. So. All right. <laughs> <laughs> for 32 uh, years, I... <laughs> and it's confusing for all these years. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why does... <laughs> This is going to sound really stupid. Why does the government need to buy things? Why does the government need to buy things? Yeah, okay, like Raytheon makes missiles, right? Doesn't yeah. the government go, hey, thanks for those missiles? You're keeping America strong. Absolutely. I mean, people make a lot of money that work at Raytheon. But why doesn't either the government have its own missile building facility? Actually, I kind of know the answer to that. But you know what I'm saying? It's that kind of thing, like, why do they need to pay for it? Well, pretty soon, you know, pretty soon you're so liberal in these thinking that the government will do everything. We don't do this. We know there'll be no businesses. <laughs> the government will own Starbucks. You know what I mean? I mean, pretty soon it gets a little out of hand. No, I mean. But that's uh, what. No, that's what our economy. I mean, that's what this country let me, is. Let me put it this another way. is made out of people that run businesses. That's what it's about. It's not about the government running anything. That's, right, the, right. that's the big spat we're having right now. In the, in the, I, in the, this is not a liberal, this is not like a, an opinionated... Well, it doesn't have to be liberal. In fact, liberals no longer use the term liberal, they use progressive. But anyway... <laughs> no, I, I think only Glenn Beck uses that term, but all right. The point is, it's, it, it, it doesn't have to be what you and I would call liberal versus conservative, and it's a big spat, and neither one will ever change, and blah, blah, blah. Right. It has to be, who are we? How did we get the riches and the wonderful lifestyle we have that the rest of the world wishes they had? And you you have to look at it that way. I mean, it's a miracle what has happened here. If you look at our history, it's an absolute total miracle. <clears throat> now, the people that believe there's only one way to get a miracle 
is going to tell you that that's why it's that way, because in God you trust is on our... Hence the God bless America, yeah. Exactly. So mm. I'm just saying, I, I don't discount that. It's just not something I'm going to hang my hat on. But uh, you have to think of this country. You never can think in your mind, to me, this is the way I think. I can never think, well, it would be better if the government ran whatever you want to name. Sure. Because... I can't think of anything that I would rather the government run. It nothing. Now, compare that to what it does run. I'm a long way from getting what I want. <laughs> but I, I, look, there's a lot. I mean, there is a lot to be said for for free markets and for competition and for people working hard to uh, make a better whatever product, let's say, or end result. Because of competition, things like that. I mean, I've, the tech sector is where I'm most proficient in this. And, yeah. And during the time that Microsoft was the end-all, be-all, the kings, the only real, you know, Apple was barely a shadow. Nobody even, if you said you had a Mac, people would literally laugh in your face and be like, wow, yeah. why would you buy that pile of crap? That's a, you know, and... uh because Microsoft was, was all there was. Thing. I always thought of Apple as all the geeks had Apple. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's the polar opposite of what the geeks say. <laughs> it was always the. No, I've learned since then that the people that know what they're doing on a computer own apples. <laughs> that's what that's what I feel like now. It's, it's always been I like for artists, that, basically. Their whole thing was always huh? uh, their or their whole thing has always been inspiring artists. So I think that's why I went with them, and it still sort of is. But I don't know. It, I don't want to get into all. But I, oh, what I'm saying is that, that I don't when, want to get into that at all. When Microsoft was the end-all, be-all, basically, they they controlled everything more or less, and they were very close to, you know, they had the number one web browser. They there was something ninety-six percent of people who went and browsed the internet were doing it on a Microsoft computer using a Microsoft web browser, probably even using Microsoft's internet service that they had at the time. And they okay, just controlled let's talk, everything. Let, we got to get off of this. I'm driving me crazy. Well, I, the point behind this is that during let's, that time, they just it. sat there and did nothing with all this technology because nobody was going to step to Microsoft. So yeah. they, they sort of dropped out of the game. And, yeah. you know, 10 years went by. They didn't change a single thing. And then suddenly all these other companies came along and said, you know what? Microsoft's not doing anything. They've just been sitting there. Uh, resting on their laurels. Let's take you know, it. You get on the, you get on these things. Mm -hmm. This is what you got on with the politics. The reason I don't want to talk politics is you get on these things. You just hate certain things. No, Microsoft no, is one of no. them. Now let me ask. Let I'm, me not, talk to I'm you. saying that's where I understand the idea of the healthy competition because had it stayed that way, it would have stayed stagnant. But thankfully, there there was a market in place that came along and took that away. And Microsoft is trying harder. Google's trying harder. Apple's trying. All these different companies are trying harder and working towards better technology that they would have otherwise not been able to. And I say you know, amen. So would that end would that end this discussion? Would AM <laughs> would Amen do go it? Ahead. That'd be good. Okay. <laughs> now uh, you remember we had a nice discussion here a couple of times ago mm -hmm. about the future of certain kinds of things that was gonna happen probably not in my lifetime, but maybe. Mm -hmm. And one of those things was solar energy yes and of course lately nuclear energy has been very much in the headlines because of the japan 
tsunami thing busting up the uh, nuclear plant over there. Right. Well, <clears throat> along comes Saudi Arabia in their fancy little town called Abu Dhabi, which is actually a wall-to-wall building thing where it's, you know it's a, I don't know if you ever see it on TV but it's, it's as far as you can see in both directions it's not about high-rise buildings yeah yeah including the tallest one in the world and all of that the Burj Dubai right now as we speak King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia which is your main man has ordered 500,000 new homes to be built <laughs> Lovely. Now, this is the article's about nuclear electricity. Because <laughs> he's going to have to build something to provide electric for in the middle of the desert for 500,000 individual homes. Mm. There's no place on this earth where there's ever been an announcement. You know, somebody starts a housing development. He says, <laughs> I'm going to build 1,800 houses. You know, people go, wow, 1,800 houses. <laughs> I go, I'm going to build 500,000 houses. Jesus. So anyway, uh, they're going to be building these nuclear plants. But some of the big companies of this world, General Electric sort of heading the group, but to include Sony and Toshiba, that type of company, I guess you'd say, uh, Siemens, which is a German company. Yeah. A number of companies from like the Norwegian Switzerland area they're actually pooling their efforts for the first time in history on solar energy you remember we were talking about that mm -hmm. well General Electric has now bought up three small solar panel manufacturing companies and they're going to use their smarts and development and Technology, along with these other companies, and they think Toshiba is going to be one of the big main players in this, by the way. And they're going to enhance the use of solar, of solar energy. And to me, that's like the best news of the day, you know, because I think that's the answer to all of these problems, is discovering a way, just as Thomas Edison did with a light bulb, and people thought he was crazy when he said there was going to be a thing, that's going to run through your house and it's going to be electric and it's going to have a little thing and you plug in this little glass thing into it and it lights up the house instead of using whale oil or fuel oil. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that sounded at the time pretty wild. <laughs> so it's the same way that it sounds like something is the size of a quarter could actually hold enough energy to run a house. So that that's that's hard to imagine, but I trust in these companies. I absolutely trust once they get themselves where this is what they're going to do, they will do it. You watch and see. I don't know how long it's going to take. I hope it's in my lifetime. But it, it goes in with this Abu Dhabi article about these 500,000 houses, and he's worried because he doesn't know what he's going to do. He's going to have to uh, build these nuclear plants and... He wants to be getting the newest kind of technology, so he's kind of thinking about wind and uh, solar <clears throat> as a, a possibility. Well, Damn. solar would work great out there, obviously. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
They got well, a lot see, of that's sun. One of the things that General Electric wants to answer the question of is is can you produce solar energy anywhere? And they think you can. Mm. You know what's a you know what's a good a good thing to have to think about? That's a real simple little thing as far as energy in the sun. Probably every child, and you probably would be in this group. If you're not, it's just because of generational switch. Mm-hmm. But almost any child has had a little magnifying glass and put it on a leaf out in the yard and let the sun yeah. come there and burn that leaf. That's well, energy. Yeah. That is energy. The smoke coming off that leaf is energy. So that's where you got to think about this solar thing. There's a way, I'll guarantee you, for them to concentrate that that sunbeam. And that's what I think. I think that's the direction we're going in here. And I'm not a scientist, but that just sounds to me like the possibility is, is great. Now, you have another subject you want to hit on? You want me to go to Sopranos? What do you want to do? Well, no, I like that subject. I think what's interesting is that, that kind of whole area in Dubai and things like that where – it, it's scary is just the way looking at the way that they're they're making everything and making their own islands and so on and so forth there's a lot about yeah. it that, that frightens that's the hell out of me they, they made an island that's right true. and i don't you know i don't trust i don't know i don't trust that area i just don't i don't like i don't like the treatment of the people i don't like the treatment of the workers i don't like a lot of the things they do but there is sort all, of a all the 9-11 bombers were from Saudi Arabia. There you go. Uh, Everything. I don't like the burkas. I don't like... I watched... When they were making those islands, they used to put out these videos to sort of entice people to buy a house out there. And they'd put out these videos that were mostly CG because the houses weren't built yet. And uh, they were just the most frightening... To me, watching them, I felt like I was watching... If I, if I was looking at a post-apocalyptic sci-fi film and they uncovered artifacts from how it all went wrong these videos would be the first thing that would they would catch their eyes oh this is where this is where it all went down they thought they were going to build a utopia you know that's the feeling i got watching these videos they were very frightening to me and uh but there well, is they, have, they, they have endless amounts of money i mean they can yeah. they could absolutely use money as toilet paper i mean they have so much money there from the oil that mm-hmm. They can think. They can think about building five hundred thousand houses. See, that and that's so the irony of it all: is that it, oil. I mean, that's oil was for the oh, energy yeah. and for moving cars, and everything else like this. But by building these five hundred thousand homes, they're going to bring in things like solar power, and that's going to bring about the end of oil. <laughs> Revolution. You know Revolution. what I'm saying? Like that's going to. They will so, not. I like will that. not. You, you, and any children you have will not live long enough for the end of oil. Believe me. I know, not not the end of Keep oil. Keep finding that's new awesome. things they can do with it. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, I, it's never going away. It's I, not I should going say, away. I should say, a decrease in the reliance on oil for things that we classically used it, like gasoline for cars. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I think we'll see the end of that. Hopefully, that could happen. That could you know, happen. Uh, things like that to do that. But powering certain could... things by coal will probably you know see a decrease heavily. Things like that. So, but it's an interesting. There's not many places you could run that sort of large scale experiment. And like the uh, the how uh, oh, I just call I just said it too. The the Burj Dubai, the tallest building in the history of 
the world um, was it's it the way that they had to set up the elevators for it and everything else like this the the, the crazy architectural leaps they had to make in, in making so sure that the whole building wouldn't collapse under wind power because it was <laughs> shot up so high and, and all these different things and uh you know, it's it's fascinating because it's sort of like it's a playground of like, we have all this great technology, but there's no place left to build. And they're like, ah, <laughs> boy, have we got a place for you to build. Oh, yeah. You know, we got land. We got for, plenty of room over here. Yeah. So 500,000 homes. I mean, that's like, I don't even know what that's what's going to happen. I, I with feel that. weird. I feel but what thing, how long is it going to take you to build 500,000 homes? The way they do I mean, it. I wouldn't be surprised if they get it done in five, six years tops. The way really? they do it, I mean, they're just because they can. They can take them all the jobs they, they produce. They pull. That. I mean, well, that's the what? thing is they pull all these people over. There's a there's a crazy thing about all the way that whole thing's done. Just so many human rights violations that uh, nobody's going to ever look into because I think everybody's curious. Everybody's got this morbid curiosity. What's going to happen over there? By the there? way, one of the things that I could picture the government doing is what President Roosevelt did with the WPA, which was they suddenly decided they were going to start building bridges and dams and highways and all of that, mm-hmm. and the government paid for it, and they put thousands, tens of hundreds of thousands of people to work during the Depression mm-hmm. by just building infrastructure. Yeah. Now they could do that right now because this country's in bad need of some new infrastructure. Definitely. You know, we could build like a whole big bullet train system or something and just put just put all the people to work. Now I think the government could should do that. That that would be a good job for the government. That'd be I'd wonderful. Think. Yeah, it would be. And and, and I mean, yeah. you know, that's another one of those things where it's like I wouldn't be opposed to a private industry going into it. I just said like I said, it wasn't a it's not a, an opinion thing. I've just been confused when I was a kid and onwards, like why it is that basically the government has to pay for that kind of stuff. Not that the government needs to be in charge of it. It's just sort of, you know what I mean? It's the way that it confused me. I know what you're saying. I mean, the the, uh, the the government right now, our federal government is such a big part of the economy. It was not supposed to be that way. And because of it, it's really causing us quite a quite a hassle right now. And it's not something that just happened since Obama came around. I mean, no, this has been going not. for a long time. It just kind of crescendoed at this point. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's just uh, you know it's a terrible situation we're in right now because this you know the Standard and Poor's credit ratings, which is what what controls the kind of interest rate governments and companies have to spend have to pay to borrow money they're about to lower the rating of the united states of america's bonds something Mm. never in history even thought of and they're saying unless they get this debt thing worked out sometime in the next 24 to 30 months they're going to have to lower the bond rating on united states debt which would cause a massive and i'm talking about depression not recession because all of a sudden, all these countries would be moving their money. Yeah. And uh, we'd have to offer, you know, much higher interest rates. And that's that's the death knell is high interest rates. But anyway, I don't want to get into it. Let's talk right, about right, Soprano. Right. Let's oh, talk about right. a Soprano moment. Well, okay. Well, I, was gonna, I have other things. 
Okay, we'll get something. You want to keep the Sopranos for the crescendo. That's yeah, okay. yeah. Keep the. It's a good thing to, to go with. Um, these are happy topics. These are not, you know, whatever well, we have you. Anything that's not happy. Yeah, these are happy. You know. Well, I mean, I don't know because sometimes the politics stuff. You say I, I. I'm always like all the stuff. You go we crazy. About. I don't feel like it was a negative stuff. So I feel like we were good. Um, well, two of them were were actually oddly enough wedding ring ring related. One of them I had last week already, and then you told the story about the lady that you ran into in the parking lot, uh, and how she noticed you didn't wear a wedding ring, and so it was like, oh, well, now I have two of them. Um, one of them was, why do you not normally wear your wedding ring, or do you not? And then the other one was, um, how did you propose to your wives? Oh, me? Yeah. Well, no, me personally? Yeah. You. It's about you. Uh, it's Mitch and Dad. I've never proposed to anybody. <laughs> I don't think in any case, and I'm not going to get into two particulars about this, but in any case, none of them were like you see in the movies. Mm-hmm. In every case, it was over a longer period of time so that we discussed marriage sort of uh, together, I would say. Uh, I think the first time that your mom and I will we'll talk to some about someone who's no longer with us, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, <laughs> no arguments will come up. <laughs> we 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 were at we went to an LSU football game. We were living in Jackson together. We weren't married or engaged or anything else. And we used to drive down to Baton Rouge to see LSU games, football and basketball. Anyway, we went to this football game, and after the game, we decided we were going to go to New Orleans, which is about an hour away, to spend the night instead of going back home to Jackson. So we stopped at this steakhouse called Stevens, which actually is run by the Casa Nostra, Hmm. or was at the time. I'm sure it's not there anymore. But... uh, so we went there, we're having like a little candlelight dinner, we're over in the corner, a little two-person table, you know, it was very nice, we were eating, and so forth, and um, they play music, you could dance and stuff. So, um, at one point, I took a matchbook, you heard the matchbook story? I don't believe I have. Because there's a secondary thing to this, it's probably going to uh, break me down when I talk about that part of it. I took a matchbook from Stevens, just like you would do anybody. It's not any big romantic idea because everybody does stuff like this. And I wrote inside of the matchbook, I will always love you. And I kind of underline always. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we were very close and, you know, having a very romantic and loving relationship as it was. So this was not like some revelation that I loved her. I mean, I told her that before. You know, we would tell each other that all the time. This was kind of like moving it to a different level in my mind. You know, I just thought always was a key word here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I gave it a matchbook on the way to the men's room. And, uh... So I came back, and uh, she said, in my memory, this was the way it was. She said, is this a proposal? Something like that. Uh, Just asked me. 
And uh, I said, well, uh, I know I didn't think of it that way when I wrote it. I just wanted to know. I just wanted you to know that I don't mind spending the rest of my life with you, type of thing. I mean, that was kind of what I said. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of, you know, got all embraced and everything, <laughs> that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so on the trip to New Orleans at night, and by this time it's like two o'clock in the morning. The football game is over. It's like eleven o'clock anyway. So we went to eat after the football game, and you know, and those, you know, now it's just like that now. You know, young people are out till all hours. I could never do that now. <laughs> so, so we drove to New Orleans, and then the whole trip down to New Orleans, which is about an hour drive, into the hotel, up to the elevator, up to the room, we talked about this subject of being together forever, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was kind of the way it, it, it developed from that. And then the next day, driving to Jackson, which is about a three-hour trip from New Orleans, we kind of solidified it from the standpoint of a timing of it. And uh, your mother actually came with me to get the engagement ring. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that sounds like the kind of situation where you'd yeah because I didn't have, I mean I wasn't expecting to do this whole thing at this trip you know in fact I, I did the matchbook thing on the spur of the moment it was I wasn't planning on it right so I told her you know I said well I'm gonna you know I got to get you some kind of ring or something so she said well I want to go with you I'm pick it out and make sure it fits and all that. I said well they, you know they'll fit it for you no I want to go she had such tiny hands if you remember yeah yeah I do well she's Thanks. yeah five two five three so yeah oh she was max five two max you talk about our height yeah I oh, swear yeah, she, she said was, five three but yeah two. you probably something about she that yeah budget, but that was five two was like counting her hair type of thing you know <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so that was how that worked. And then we just uh, went and got the ring. And then after we got the ring, we went back to the apartment. And she called her mom, of course. Mm-hmm. And things got kind of rough after that because they wanted her to come home for a long visit. Mm-hmm. Before decision was made right right so she went home for like a month wow yeah and uh that was a very strange month in my life i'll tell you that but uh so then what was his name chuck was there uncle a chuck? chuck yeah yeah huh? uncle chuck yeah that was her older brother or no no bobby uh who was chuck no chuck was gretchen's gretchen's husband husband yeah chuck yeah so um chuck came out to jackson to meet me right after the right after leslie came back he can you know they wanted to have somebody who could actually meet me and talk to me and all that stuff so he came up to kind of check me out i guess you'd say right right so her brother-in-law so yeah then we, after that was over we set a date which uh ended up being june the 15th and uh it was actually over a year away at that point 
So it was almost two years from the time we originally started talking about this and almost three years from when we had first met and everything. So uh, that was how that was that was how it was. Hmm. So the other ones were, you know, not the same, but uh, more or less in a more discussion manner than. Uh, uh, none of them were like on my knees with the ring in my pocket or anything like you see it move. Right, I, right. I, I gotta say something weird has happened to me in recent. I may have already mentioned this before, but something weird has happened to me in recent years. Where if I see even a YouTube video of a proposal, I I choke up. I don't know why. Really? Yeah, it's, I got I, things that choke me up too. It's very strange because okay. I have no desire to get married. You know? Can I tell you the second part of the? If talk. you want to, you said you were having trouble with the choking up. So I can't tell you. There's no way I can tell it to you. You think you choke I, up? can't have it. No, I just don't want everybody to know about it, that's all. Okay. Right. So, get into it. I can tell you at some other point. Well, I do uh, remember the interview I had did, done with Mom, uh, that last one I did right around Christmas. She had told me during the video, and now I gotta hope I don't choke up, but she made it very, uh, she, a number of times, over and over again, she said, I always wanted to be a mother. That's what I wanted, was to be a mother. I always absolutely. wanted to have kids. No doubt about it. So when you drive with her, I assume that came up as well, where she was like, I want to have kids so badly, all that. Oh, yeah. she. There was, there was never any question about that. I mean, she... she uh, the fact that she lost that first baby was probably the most devastating thing that ever happened in her whole life. I mean, that was... That was uh, I mean, I was devastated as well, but I was not anywhere near... You know, I mean, you can't really compare yourself to the mother losing the child. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it was just as hard as she had gone through that pregnancy. You know, it was a very tough pregnancy anyway. And this this happened in the like seventh month or something. Um, I mean, it was it was devastating. <clears throat> I mean, that's what she just she def definitely wanted to be a mother, and I mean, she she was very focused on, on doing that but you know what's funny we never discussed that until after we were married we never discussed family and kids and all that because we never discussed being married until that time when we were hmm. at state <laughs> it's funny it's very strange uh, that that's the way it was because I guess I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly what was my or her mindset during that period, other than that we were really enjoying ourselves. But yeah. uh, we didn't. We didn't talk about that. But after we got married, I mean, that's when you know the discussion about the kids and where we're going to live and all of that. And I remember telling her, "I'd love to be. I'd love to live in Texas if we're going to have kids." So we tried to do everything we could to get to Texas, but we were still in Baton Rouge when Meredith was born. <laughs> But well, we got to humble Texas eventually for little Mitchell. Yeah. Golf tournament. Where was Meredith born? Also in Humble or no? Huh? Where was Meredith born? Baton Rouge. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So it did take you a while to get out of Texas. <laughs> it took us a while to get to Texas. We we planned yeah. on doing it and I'll never forget the day we moved singing the yellow rose of texas when we crossed over the 
the uh, river there that crosses into Orange, Texas. And the thing that blows your mind is there's a there's a there's a highway sign there that says, you know, Houston X number of miles, El Paso 817 miles. <laughs> <laughs> be like all the way on i-10 across texas oh my god yeah yeah that's a long way believe me we didn't go to el paso but i mean we went to houston but we were so happy that day we moved we went over there that was amazing mm. but uh, yeah we we planned on going to texas that's for sure wow. so anyway that's, yeah it's uh, funny because uh i mean conversations about marriage and kids come up in conversations I have with people uh, quite immediately. Male and female, frankly, just sort of as a matter of fact kind of thing. It seems weird to me, as again, it's that thing of where, as I grow up, people change just based on age, but then the, there's also been a huge cultural shift. And I kept thinking when I was younger that I would get to this point in my life and all of my friends would be married and have kids, and almost none of them do. <laughs> like almost nobody I know is married and or has kids and it's like the ones that do obviously I don't really hang out with because they're busy with the marriage and the kids but it didn't happen en masse like I thought it was I have not been invited to be a best man at any point really? No, yeah I it, nobody that would I that would probably even consider me in the ranking for best man has been oh. even I've had one friend that would consider me that way I think uh get engaged years ago and at the time I was like this is a terrible terrible idea but you can't you know you gotta get that stuff way in advance <laughs> you can't pop up and be like hey bad idea yeah. See, it was a, just a situation where he was in a bad place in his life and this woman was like his light and I can understand that entirely uh, now I didn't so much then and uh, I think that he wanted to hang on to that light as long as he could and uh sort of sweep all the problems under the rug. You live, you learn. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, oddly enough, almost nobody is uh, that I know is married. So, strange. Well, you know, I think I think Meredith, uh, one of the subjects we should mention is is the subject of Meredith and Grayson. Right. The newly born son. And she sent me some wonderful pictures, by the way. I mean, yeah, really loving, enduring, endearing type uh Photos, really nice. You got the one of uh, Riley holding them, right? No. No? Oh, I'll have to send you I that. I think she sent it to me because I got one thing and I couldn't open one of the, you know, it came like in three messages. You know oh, what I mean? okay. Yeah, yeah. And one of the messages, I, I, I couldn't get it to open. I don't know what, what was wrong, but I, that's probably that picture because she told me she was going to send me that picture. Yeah, I can. I, I, mean, if, I can. I couldn't I can get it to open. Way. I'm sitting there and looking at a blank thing, you know, just waiting and waiting, and nothing, nothing ever happened. So, hmm. All right. yeah, she sent it to me on my phone. It was a very, very good picture. Yeah, I like it. I like. I love pictures. I just love pictures. You know what's weird about pictures, <clears throat> or about memories of people? I have a silhouette penciled on white board white uh, heavy cardboard kind of stuff mm -hmm. stuff that you see photos uh, or drawings made on what do you call that pasteboard or something anyway it's it's a white mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Really paper. Yeah, cardstock kind of thing. Yeah, cardstock I gotcha. Yeah. Paper. Yeah. And it's a silhouette of my mother and dad. Okay? Mm-hmm. Their faces like are Margie's in the foreground and he's in the he's 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 behind her. And they're facing, let's say, to the left. And her head is below his, you know, because of the difference in height. And they did it by using a shadow idea against right. the wall. Right, right. Along. And uh, I guess it was my, my aunt, probably. And pencil this thing. Now, here's, what I'm, here's the reason I brought this up. When you think about memories you have, and of course I'm a fanatic for this, of, I mean pictures of you and Meredith and Sheila and Tommy and Robin and Kelly and Riley and Carly and now Grayson and, and uh, Allie, Sheila's baby. Uh, I have, I guess, hundreds of those pictures. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, they vary. I mean, I just love them. I, I keep them everywhere in the house. You can, I can see every one of them at any time. But this silhouette thing, I keep. Trying, I was trying to figure out for the longest time. I've only had it about three years because I picked it up from somebody else who had it. And I couldn't figure out why it was so. I don't know. Real. It's like they're there. It's like them. And what it is is, it's because it's the actual size of them. Oh, I see. I see. See what I mean? In other yeah. words, when you're looking at a photo, yes, you're happy about looking at your loved one. It's exciting, and you keep the picture to remember them by. But this is a different thing. I mean, it's them. It's their same size of their heads. Yeah, you know? yeah. About the olden days and the Roman days, and they used to make those busts of the, you know, the... Caesar and all this stuff and even that's not as good as this because this is it's it's almost magical looking it, it's right over my bed it's huge it's a huge thing the, the frame and uh, you can't really even see it good because it's it's pencil and you have to kind of stand at a certain angle to actually see it real well but it, it's really magical because it's it's actually them. I mean, it's it's them there. I mean, it's amazing. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. Hmm. So anyway, that's. Uh, oh. Um, well, there is. I was going to say there is a realism to Holy Week. What's that? Holy Week. Was that this week? This week is Holy Week. This mm-hmm. past day was Palm Sunday. I heard my boss tell um, our secretary to make sure that there was no bread in um, his food that she would bring to him or his own food. That's Jewish. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. Got to do with the leaven bread. Clearly it was related to this being a religious week. Well, here's the thing about this. For a different reason. (laughs) Here's the thing about the Holy Week. Mm -hmm. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And the children put the palms down to have him, so he would have a path to walk on, because he's barefoot. Can we throw in allegedly? No. <laughs> okay. We're talking about the Gospel of Matthew here. Of I mean, course. All right, this is a good story. So here he comes uh, on Palm Sunday, 
So in the church on Palm Sunday, they hand out little reeds, actual reeds from palms. You know, when you get your communion and all, they hand you the reed. So there's all these reeds you're going with. So this week is the last week of the Lenten season, which started on the day after Mardi Gras. And it runs for 40 days and 40 nights, and it ends on Easter Sunday. Because that's the day that Jesus was resurrected from the dead and went, came back to life. So you go through this week with all the terrible things leading up to the crucifixion, which was on Friday, Good Friday. And Not a very good Friday uh, for him. Huh? So it doesn't no. sound like it was a very good Friday for him. Well, this is this. Now we're getting to the point of my. <laughs> okay, I'll be quiet. One of the most incredible parts of reading this particular part of the gospel, on three different occasions during this week prior to his crucifixion, he actually questions the Father Almighty as to why he has to be, uh, he has to go through this. He knows he's going to go through it because he is the son of God. Mm -hmm. He is the same as the God. He's part of the Holy Trinity. He knows that's what's going to happen. But he's, he's still so human that he actually, why hast thou forsaken me, is what he says. Please lift this cross from me. I mean, he does it three separate times during this period after arriving back in Jerusalem and being condemned by the Jews. This is also the period of time when I was a little kid growing up in a Catholic church that you felt a very negative feeling toward Jews because of this. And uh, I don't feel that way now, but I'm saying it, that's kind of the way it came across, I guess you'd say, back in those days. You're talking about a long time ago. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, 60 years ago but uh, it's kind of interesting I think it almost adds to a non-believer some validity to these stories that he was God and man both because he was definitely human when he's crying out from the garden of Gethsemane to God the Father and he knows he's got to. He knows he's got to do it. He knows that he has to die on a cross. Mm -hmm. Pretty extraordinary. And then, of course, when he the the uh, the uh, Romans wanted to make sure that no one stole his body, because then they would make up stories about him coming back to life. So they put extra guards on the tomb and a bigger rock and all that stuff. Mm turned out the angel Gabriel came down to care of that situation. <laughs> so anyway, we're working on the good, the, uh, the, the Holy Week. Mm. And, uh, so what are you supposed to do on Good Friday then? Well, you don't, you don't, you kind of want to pray. You want to go to church and be around the rest of the community. And, uh, knowing that, yes, he was tortured and yes, he was in pain and yes, he died for our sins. And, but he knew he was coming back, so that had to make you know had to make him feel a little bit better knowing that. But he had to have a pretty good amount of faith 
to think of going through crucifixion and that the good part of it was I'm coming back in a couple of days. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, yeah. that's my Holy Week story. I'm done with that. It's just a little religious, a little religious well, I'm going to try to get out to Meredith this weekend because I was going to save it for Easter instead of last weekend. I figured it would be better. Oh, be good. So, uh, On out Saturday? No, Friday after work. Oh, Take, okay. Be taking good. Monday off, so. You're driving at night, though. Yeah, I'm off work. If I if I leave work around two ish, then I'll be okay. I yeah, mean, that's true. Still well, sort of night, leave. but I still Dude. prefer I prefer a nighttime drive, just because really? less less traffic. It feels kind of calm, and there's something really yeah, cool about that feeling. Dreary at night, don't you? What's that? You don't get dreary driving at night? No, I'm pretty much okay. I will say it's it's a weird thing that I I used to have fatigue behind the wheel like in high school and stuff but uh, once I started driving a stick shift that never happened and for all the years I drove a stick shift never had that problem and this time is the first time I'll be driving well second time really I'll be driving a an automatic or third um, for that sort of that length of a trip so but I think I'll be fine I'll get... I'll take it easy going out there on that highway indeed that's going to be a busy weekend there'll be people on the highway all the time I would think yeah I wonder Particularly Friday. Yeah, and then I'll come back Monday afternoonish. You know. You're gonna call me from out there. Gonna try to, yeah. What do you mean you're gonna try to? <laughs> What's that mean? It's really it's one of those things where it's like I have to like go. Okay, I can call Dad because we're not about to go somewhere. You know what I mean? Nobody. I'm not about to fall Cell asleep. Cell phone. You could call me from a you know a hardware store. It wouldn't make any yeah, but, difference. Yeah, but it's it. But it's it's like. But you'd want Meredith there. You know what I mean? Things like that. Well, we like... don't have to do it all in one conversation. I could talk to you, and then <laughs> Meredith can call me later or something. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just saying that's that's usually how it Jeez. goes. That's the that's the thought process. I have I have, I have to struggle. It's a struggle. <laughs> Let's be fair. I call you every single week, and we talk for about an hour or more. It is it is fun. I mean, so, I believe me, I get a lot more fun out of it than you do. Believe me. <laughs> well, I'm saying I should be off the hook for things like that. No, no. <laughs> That's not the way that works. That is not. Each thing stands alone to itself. Oh, man. It's, That's... Like, it's just like when Sheila would call me the day before my birthday. Uh-huh. You know, and say, now this is your birthday call. So then when Tommy would call me at <laughs> on my birthday so he could be the first one to call, I would say, Sheila's already called. When did she call? She called yesterday. Well, that doesn't that, count. That, what is that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> she could have called you a month ago. What was that? Is that going to count? <laughs> she doesn't call you today. She didn't call. That's, that's the way that works. <laughs> that's just because Tommy's very... Uh... Think about it. You think about it. about that. Here's a, here's a dad. Here's old Leo T. <laughs> and he has three days out of 365 that he requests a phone call. Father's Day, birthday, Christmas. Uh huh. These are not days that go unnoticed. <laughs> but yet, the odds Well, of the birthday is a little bit tricky. I have it in my calendar now, but for many years I didn't. Odds of me getting four phone calls. On every one of those three days, that would be twelve total calls. Three times four. Mm -hmm. The odds are like winning the lottery because it's never I'll... happened. Now, never. 
Never. Never. Not one time have I gotten 12. Mm. Never have. Well, this year it'll be landing two days after our podcast. I got to tell you that, you know, and I hope, I guess Sheila's probably listening. I mean, uh, Meredith's probably listening, so she, I don't want to get her upset with me. But she's usually the loose cog in this, because a couple of times I've come real close to getting all of them, and then she <laughs> gets the call. Or she would just be busy, you know? She's just like a mom. She's too busy. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the thing is, I, I mean, that's where I'm like, oh, crap, I'm the only one without kids. I have no excuse. I don't know kids, no wife. Technically, I should have no excuse, but I get busy, too. Well, long as soon as you get rid of the rest of your paraphernalia, no, you, you keep and, that yeah. hair like it is right now. It's looking really good. Oh, thank you, you but have, I, that's what's going to happen. That's going to do what happen? You're going to have a wife after. Oh, you I don't, no, no, no. Well, if that's what's happened, I'm going back to the Mohawk because I don't want that. No, this is. I did this for a career, not for a wife. <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> Jesus, you got to be insane. You can't plan on having a wife anyway. You just got to have to accidentally happen. So that's yeah, well, I'll believe me. I've managed to for all my life. <laughs> all, all these many years. <laughs> all these years. I have managed to avoid that entirely. The situation has never... The closest it, it's come up as a conversation topic in any serious light, twice. Now, I'm going to open the discussion about The Sopranos. Please do. Anyone who has never watched The Sopranos is going to think I'm being enormously gross. Okay. You right? By all means. This past episode was the famous... Big Pussy episode. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Yes. Okay. Now, here the other thing is. Each time they do an end-of-the-season show, which this one was, this is the end of season two, mm -hmm. it always ends the same. Every season ended the same. They were at a party, either in a restaurant or at somebody's house or at their house or at the country club. It always ends a party. The family's all together, smiling and happy. Everything is fine. Mm -hmm. No problems. That's the way it ends every time. And this one ended on uh, Meadow, Meadow's high school graduation party at the Soprano household. Mm -hmm. That was the way the season ended. But, yeah, this is the one where Big Pussy goes swimming with the fishies. Mm, yeah, checking out uh, Tony's new boat. Or that he might purchase. Yeah, he's that's what got it was. the big chains and everything, and mm -hmm. he's sick. He, he gets sick during this thing. He gets these food poisonings thing where he's throwing up and other things are happening, mm -hmm. and he's blaming uh, the restaurant and all of <laughs> Vesuvio's restaurant. <laughs> and uh, but then he finds the paraphernalia, the wire in Big Pussy's little little. Uh, box that he kept and that was the end of him they had to and the thing is when they show you <clears throat> the three of them uh, in the boat with, with Big Pussy sitting in the chair you can actually see and feel the friendship that they had had since they were little boys together the four of them but yet the rule was broken. No matter what, you got to play by the rule. That's what that was about. Now, I remember it always stuck out to me. Probably one of the most famous lines in the entire series. Uh-oh. 
Big Puss's last words. Not in the face, Tony. Not yeah. in the face. Well, it wasn't his last words, but yes, that's what he no, said. No, wasn't it? All right. I, that's my Kinda, recollection. What he does is, what he does, and it's just because I just watched this. Yeah. I wouldn't recall this, this exactly otherwise. What he does is, he says, is it okay if it's not in the face? Uh, he asked permission. And uh, so that was it. They shot him. Boom, boom, boom. I can't remember. They didn't. I, they just execution style back of the head, or did they do it in the face? Oh, no. They shot him in the chest. Oh, there we go. Shot him. What it was, he was sitting down and he stood up and he was. He was trying to make another point for himself, and he started a sentence, and Tony was the first one to shoot, and the other two guys finished him off. Yeah, I remember that it, now. Uh, it yeah. was a horrifying, uh, a horrifying scene when, when, when he goes to his house to get him to take him to see the new boat, and you can see that Big Pussy's a little bit leery. Yeah, and then when show up and uh, didn't he try? I've seen you recall he was like trying to get out of. It. He was like, "Not today, Tony. I'm really my back is killing me." That kind of thing. Yeah, he was yeah, very he, much he was, like, "No, like, not today, Tony." You know, why are we doing this today? You know, it's real windy. It's not going to be good. Your water's choppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Tony says, ah, "I want to make a decision on this boat. I got to make a decision." You know, so we need to go see because this is a boat. He's in. He's telling him he's in. He's getting ready to buy it if he likes it, you know. Right. So, uh, there it is. And, uh, but it, was, it, it, was, it wasn't, it was just test driving a boat, right? Yeah, they were test driving. Yeah. yeah. See, I always, I always get into the logistics of these things because I'm like, how do you go bring a boat back and make sure there's no blood in it after you just whacked a guy in there? <laughs> oh, there's nothing easier than cleaning a boat. A hose cleans a boat off. You know, it's all fiberglass. It's very easy to clean. Even in the interior, there wasn't like carpet or oh. anything. No, they just hose it. It's just yeah. a hose job. They got little, little uh, drains on the side. You just hose it down. That's very easy. All right, all right. <laughs> just, no problem. I'm sorry. I'm still also sort of laughing at the. You know, it's nothing easier to clean than a boat. <laughs> no, it's nothing easier to clean. You're like, no, you can take a guy out of the boat. It's <laughs> yeah, it's not just clean it right up. You know, you can take brain matter, guts, whatever's there. You know, and just hose it right out the thing. Yeah, yeah, right out to sea. Not a problem. The sharks have a little snack. I got you. And when he when he throws when he they put him on the back the back of the boat has a little ledge lip to it. And they, you know, he's chained up and bagged up and all that, and they, and they, they push him off the back, and he, his body, the thing goes down, and it makes sort of a little swirl, and then it just kind of disappears. Have they ever? Uh... What's funny was, not funny, but strange. Right after they shoot him, um, I always get the guys' names mixed up. Polly, Chris. Oh, and, um, Silvio and what's the other guy? Polly, Scott, Tony. Uh, Polly, Chris. Polly, Polly. Okay. So, so Polly's cleaning off all the necklace and the, the jewelry, the rings, the watch, taking mm -hmm. all that off of his body. And Tony says, "Get the weights." <laughs> <laughs> That's like the final orders right there. Get the weights. That's what I would have called that episode. You know, they yeah. have a name for the episode. That would yeah. have been my for that episode. Get the weights. 
I, I was wonder, like, because I have to imagine that there's been a few, uh, at least a few, <laughs> if not hundreds, of of shooting, uh, throwing a guy out to sea, weighing him down. Oh, when it comes Orleans, to that, I'm going to tell you that people would disappear all the time. Now, in the open a very regular basis, they would disappear. The story was that the Marcello brothers own these fishing camps out in southwest Louisiana, out to mm-hmm. the Cajun, and that's where they would go. And the crocodiles, or uh, alligators, rather. Alligators, yeah. Let the Not alligators a- take care of it. Not a problem. Well, now, I wonder, like, in the open water like that, in the open ocean, let's say, had they... I can't think of ever hearing a story of anybody, like, being recovered. You'd well, think you could scuba dive down there and you'd find some stuff, but maybe not, because all the fish would get it, you know, long beforehand. Fish are, the fish are going to be all over it almost immediately, because they got blood, you know, they're going to smell the blood. And the fact that it's in just nothing but a bag-like thing, they'll tear that up in a second. In fact, they'll eat that as well. Yeah. But the weights bring him all the way down, see? True, true. It gets pretty deep. You're talking about off the coast of New Jersey. That water's real deep. Not uh, not like a bay or something. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's the ocean right there. There's no, there's no bay thing or nothing. So, yeah, that's a pretty... That's a pretty uh, effective way to uh... now of course the next series uh, is going to start off with Big Pussy's wife wondering (laughs) where is he (laughs) yeah and the sun you know the sun gets pretty strange doesn't the sun the sun ends up getting in a bunch of trouble later on right yeah he becomes a a gothic guy Mm. takes a dump in the shower and all that Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like there was a lot of those where it was like they'd whack somebody who was really close to them, and people would ask questions for an episode or two, and then just shut up. But then yeah. there was a few. What was it? I want to say it was oh, Jackie when they when they bumped Chris uh, Christopher's girlfriend. That was a biggie. Yeah, they never did uh, stop talking about. It seemed like a lot of people asked questions about her and uh, one of the Aprils. Right? Somebody kept asking about it. Wasn't well, ja- Jackie April was the guy who died in the hospital, and then there was the other ones. Richie is the one that was going to marry the sister. Yeah. Oh sister. no, because she took care of she took she care of him. Yeah. And then that's the one where she's getting on the bus, and she said, "Tony, what did you do with him?" <laughs> oh, I think I remember. I remember. It was little Jackie because it was Meadows' boyfriend. Yes. And little she Jack. never let up on that. She always she. I mean, I think final season she was still asking about him. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. It was, it was little Jackie. Little Jackie. Yeah, that's what it was. She yeah. had a little thing to go with him. She had a little. You see, this is the thing. It, it even came up in this episode. I always thought that Meadow was going to end up at the end of the story as kind of being the new family head or something. I mean, she was a uh, tough. As she got older, she was tough, mm. and like. At one point in this episode that I'm just talking about, the FBI comes to his house and takes him away for an overnight thing, and he comes back the next day. But it happens to be on the morning of her graduation, and it happens in front of her and her friends. Mm. After it happens, and Carmella goes in to calm her down, 
and talk about how great the father's been, you know, how great he's been to them, and and that this is just part of his life. <clears throat> and she says, "Oh, I just think they're, you know, a holes." You know, I mean, she she's not even mad at him; she's mad at the FBI. Yeah, yeah. And that happens, or as she gets older, you know, she gets to where. I know there was a funeral at one point where uh, one of the one of the guys, is, one of the bosses from New York, is actually in jail, and they let him out of jail to go to this uh, not funeral wedding, it was, uh, his daughter's wedding, hmm. and uh, they do something at the wedding. I, I don't even talk about it. it's way ahead of way ahead of happening, but she she gets all upset with the with the marshal service that's brings the guy to the wedding and everything mm. but uh yeah and when you you know you when you're in that when you're in that world like that it's funny how you know what's gonna happen you know you just know right I mean that big pussy knew that when he started talking to the FBI he was in trouble. Yeah, which always confused me. When you find that out, you're like, what? This guy of all people? Big puss? Oh, but they, you know, think of him for a minute. Okay, here's what they come and they tell you. Okay, you're going to jail for 30 years, to prison. Unless you wire up. Right, right. See? Now, the mistake was, if you think about it, if he would have at that point gone to Tony... Because he even brought this up in the boat, that he was giving them false information or things that were not that important. He could have gone to Tony and told Tony that he's going to go through this, but he only will tell him what Tony wants him to tell him. Mm. See, yeah, that's, the, yeah. that's the way you handle that. Yeah. I'm surprised. I don't think anybody did that, right? Because that was one of the things I, I remember thinking. When I watched it, I remember thinking somebody should do that, but I don't feel like anybody ever no. even questioned it. I feel like, I want to say Chris's that, girlfriend had sort of implied of those that. Family, there's probably certain ones of those families. You couldn't do it either way. But I think with a guy like Tony, particularly as close as he was to Big Pussy, I yeah. think he a told Tony, you know, the FBI's got me over a trick bag and I don't want to go spend 30 years in jail and miss my family and, and they, the hardships and, you know, let's let's figure out a way that I can give them information that they think is big, but that's not. Right. And right. I wear the wire when they want me to wear the wire, but I'll tell you about it ahead of time. Yeah, have a, a facial signal or something, yeah. yeah. I feel like oh, I feel like Chris's, Chris's girlfriend, didn't she try to do something like I feel like she told him Something, she but she didn't. Chris. Yeah. Oh, Chris, that was her mistake. Mm. As soon as she told Chris, that was it. Yeah. There's no way he was going to carry around that secret. I guess you'd say. <laughs> There's no way that was going to happen. But it's like even he could have gone to Tony probably and been like, "Look, I don't know what to do here." I mean, obviously he did, and they took care of her, but you know. It didn't well, seem like that discussion ever came up. I don't think, for one thing, I don't think that that she had nearly the closeness to Tony that Big Pussy had. 
No, certainly not. But somebody they he grew up with as a child. That would be that is another one that that now I remember because Carmela had a lot of questions about that one. Oh yeah, she would not let up on that one either. I would say either, but that's Carmella another. knew what happened. She just you know. You got to hear him say it, kind of thing. Yeah, she just knew what was going on. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, it's such a great that is such a great show. Indeed, so it is. I mean, it's like we're talking about it right now, like it was in the news or something. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's what, that's how good it is. I mean, it does it does feel like we're talking history? That's true. Sure, absolutely. It's that's exactly that's the exact way to put it. Very good. Well, what's and, interesting to me is like. You know, I I just can't. Every time they have those history shows, Rome or or Showtime's got a new one coming out, The Borgias. I'm just, I just, huh? I've been watching The Borgias. Yeah, and I, I mean, I like Jeremy Irons. Um, I just for some reason I can't get into those, but I keep thinking to myself, if they only did history the way they did The Sopranos. But you, you know, know what? I mean? With a history show. What where you lose the reality of a history show is just when the time when it was taking place. The Sopranos was taking place now. Yeah, that's what that's what David Chase even mentions in one of his interviews that he does on the DVD. That that was a big thing. Was that I mean they even had the, the nine eleven bombing thing happened. Uh, they changed the opening of the show so that you don't see the towers, you know, because yeah, yeah. like the full opening, you saw the towers. You know, they had they had two or three sort of big events that happened in during that time that they put in the show. I mean, they even had his mother dying when she really was dying. Yeah, I remember they digitally. And oh, that was a creepy episode. Yeah, dying on the show and in real life at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't care about me. <laughs> was a good actress, that. Yeah, she was good. I, I guess I feel like I, there's another thing that that seems common across those. Deadwood even kind of did it too. That I had it was is a weird kind of thing where this it seemed like the right off the first episode the plot was so convoluted. There was so many things going on all at once where you had to know every character's name, and you don't catch it once, you're screwed. Because they'll never, you'll never see that character on screen, but they'll always talk about him, and you're like, oh, who am I? I, I can't, you know, like I, I just get confused. Where I think Sopranos did it really intelligently in that they introduced people, and then they did the great thing. And and granted, they didn't even know they were going to go on for as long as they did. So even ballsier is they did the thing where they would dedicate every character that we saw had an episode about them, at least one. You know what? You I mean? know any, what? any character you're love, supposed to remember. I love the way they throw in real people into it. Like when they were playing cards with Frank Sinatra Jr. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he was playing himself, and you right. could tell that he got he got scared at one point and left early. Right. He, it was a problem. And and when uh, when <laughs> I was thinking about it the other night when uh, when uh, Chris goes to that academy thing with Ben Kingsley. And then yeah. they end up robbing the goodie bags. <laughs> well, he knocks Lauren Bacall down, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. He, I got he was snatching something out of a hand or something. It was the goodie bag that they give you, the little, you know, they yeah. give you iPods. Because he so was all about it. Like, Ben's going around to these various tables. He's like, yeah, I'll get one of these. And, and Chris you know was what? like, hey. Ben Kingsley, in that, in that show, he was playing himself, 
And I got the distinct feeling that that's exactly the way he really is. Yeah. The way he played himself. I think that was just, I think that's what Chase probably told him is just be you. That's all. Don't, yeah. don't somebody else. But yeah, that was, there's so many things that are yet to happen. I mean, you got the thing with the, uh, with Polly Bergen that plays the old girlfriend of his mother, of his dad, Tony's father has the girlfriend and he goes and visits her and she has the she does the invitation of Marilyn Monroe singing for the president okay I she ends up getting a that. cut of a, a dirt racetrack thing where he, he gets the Jewish guy involved and they they get the cut of it and uh, she gets her cut out of it hmm. I don't know if you remember that she, yeah, she I don't know, sent baby. about three episodes in a row you kept thinking that something was going to happen between them, although she was like the age of his father. Yeah. Although she looked really good for her age, I'll say that. But it was actually at one point I was thinking, oh, don't tell me he's going to have something with this woman <laughs> his father went to bed with. All right. She had a handkerchief uh, that uh, supposedly JFK gave her. And she showed that handkerchief to Tony. And uh, she had this captain's hat that she got from the boat ride she went on with him, with the president. <laughs> so that was that was pretty interesting that they, they threw that in there. All right, before we go, I'm thinking, here's what, I, here's what I'm thinking. If you can, and you probably be able to recall them better than I can, but I have an answer. Out of Tony's, uh, let's say Gumars are just random girls. Who yeah. do you think was the most attractive? Discounting, well, of course, because I know you got a thing for Edie Fel Falco. See, attractive is not a good word for me because okay. attractive and sexy are two different Let's things. Let's go sexy. The one, I mean, if 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 it was dude to dude conversation and I could be vulgar, I'd put it a different way. So I'm trying to, whatever way you want to put it. Sexy was the one that was the girlfriend of the uh, the guy they end up chopping up in the bedroom in the uh, bathroom. What was his name? Chop mm, up in the bathroom. Uh, he was. He had a fight with Tony in the in the kitchen. They have a big fight. And Tony gets kind of banged up, but he ends up strangling him on the floor and beating his head into the ground, into the floor. Mm. Oh, what was his name? Tony. I can't think of his name. I don't even remember. Oh, it was the... played. It was played by Pantaleono. Pantaleonio. What's his name? Joe Pantaleono. Oh, Joe Pantaleono. Yeah. That was that. He had the... He's the guy that played that part. Now the girlfriend wasn't she like an addict of some kind or something? No, no, no. She was. Uh, no, that. she wasn't. She was. Uh, she. I don't know this, but she looked a little either Italian or Hispanic or something. She was very dark complected, dark hair. Did she have an accent? Maybe. Hmm. No. But she was sexy. The girl I'm thinking of was the Mercedes dealer. She was. Yeah, everybody liked her. That was my favorite. My problem is I've seen her in other things. Uh huh. And it loses a little reality to me because of that. Ah, okay. That's fair. This girl I'm talking about, I've never seen her before or since. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't know I'll the tell you who else, I'll tell you who else was sexy who would come in a close second is the one that Tony met in Vegas. Uh, she was a friend. She's like a blonde of, uh, one, right? Something like that? Huh? Wasn't she a blonde girl? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe. 
I feel like because she had like her own thing going on. She and, had her own yeah. little ad, a little condo thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, he's had plenty of them. He had the one that he that he fantasized with that was in the backyard of his neighbor, the Italian girl. Mm. And it was the real Italian he met when he was in Italy. Yeah, she was all right. Now those are like attractive women, I guess you'd say. You didn't think they were sexy though. Well, I, they were sexy, but I mean, when I'm talking sexy, I'm talking about something that, you know, like day and night, she'd be keeping you busy type of thing. Right, right, right. I understand. Just the one I'm talking about. That's where she would come in. Yeah. Well, I, was, I, I did like, what I did like is that, and I, maybe it's a realism to it that I also like, but there's, where he sort of, he used every woman as his therapist. You know what I mean? Except for pretty much everybody, except for Edie, except for his wife. Where it was like he had a he had a where all the girls that he hooked up with, he had this weird sort of respect for something they were doing with their life, or they did in their life. Where he wishes he was like their age and their boyfriend and had a different life. I got that feeling from all of them. Yeah. And then yeah. once he lost that feeling, he was done with the girl. I think he, you know, the little Russian who wasn't bad looking at all either, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Russian had caused all the problems. Um, he he went through all kind of stuff with her because she, you know, sliced up her arms and had to go to the hospital and called him in the middle of the night and he had to leave and go and yeah. even told even told Carmela. He was like expecting Carmela to have sympathy for her. <laughs> he says, "The poor girl, you know, she's." She couldn't stand losing me. <laughs> and I mean, she lights up on him too. I mean, oh, she man. As, it, as she would, yeah. But I always liked that that he kind of he would sort of do that. You know? Once a week, I watch one episode. I don't want to hurry it. I'm just taking my time. I hear you. I might one day. I was looking into buying that thing. I was like, I have to catch up, but. Um... Well, know, one day I got them at the second-hand stores, you know, the ones that have already used things. They got yeah, them they got one of those down the street. And there's two versions of it. There's one that's just all of the episodes, and there's the one that you have. And I don't know that I need – I don't even know where I'd put the one you have. I don't have that much room in my DVD rack. It's almost – I got three shelves. Well, it comes in a beautiful filled. box, though. Big, oh, heavy-duty, real heavy, big box. Big and that's what I'm saying. I don't know where I would put that. I have no idea where I'd put that. I just don't it, the interviews that are in this thing, the interviews are, are just unbelievable. They're just really fun. Yeah. I mean, they do talk about them as actual human beings, the Sopranos, even in the interviews. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. All right, let's roll. All right, sounds good. It's been a good episode. Long one. Here good we go. Episode. You're doing good. I really appreciate it every week. I really do. As do I, and uh, I hope maybe one. Why don't we call uh, Meredith one of these times? All right, I'll. Uh, I'll... Like one time we linked up and all that. I didn't have my camera then either. They get the you know. Actually uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'll have to, when I get over there, I'll see what she's got that we can use. Yeah, when you're there, maybe we could do it. That'd be good. All right, yeah, yeah. I was just saying, like, I could just check to see if she's all set up, but yeah, that works too. Because you can get the kids on there and everything. Yeah, true, true. Crazy kids. <laughs> All right, now, be careful. I'm going to be thinking about all this trip you're taking on Friday before Easter. Right. You got to bring them all some Easter eggs, or what are you going to do? Well, pretty much just me. 
Okay. Yeah, you could bring them maybe a peanut butter egg or something. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'll stop by the store and grab grab something like that. Yeah. A pack, you know, like a six pack. Sure. Yeah. Or I'll get a you know one of those little baskets or something. I don't know. I'll figure something out. Get something. Yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Enjoy right, it. Dad. I you and uh, be careful. All right. I will. Love you too, Dad. Take care. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye.